Hey everyone, a few quick notes before we get into today's episode. One, welcome to season three of Cryptids Decrypted, where we are officially going off the rails. We're starting off by covering some paranormal phenomenon. We will get back to cryptids at some point, but we're definitely, we're going to be looking into some weird stuff this season, so I hope you enjoy it, and uh, I want you to let us know what you think of these these new episodes. Second, wanted to talk to all of our listeners in the United States for a minute, because I know there's a lot of you. Hey, there's an election. It's on November uh, 3rd. Yeah, I, that's, that's right. I knew the election date. I, I didn't stumble there. It was pause for emphasis. I wanted you all to make sure that you're registered to vote. Like, for the, for the love of God, register to vote and please vote. And if you do feel so inclined, volunteer. There's an amazing website called votesaveamerica.com. You can go there and you can find times to volunteer, even if it's only 15 minutes, making phone calls um, or sending texts to prospective voters and just making sure that everybody has their voice heard in this election. And then lastly, a couple of times during the episode, we mentioned pictures. If you want to go look at those pictures, we will post them on our Instagram, and then we will also post them on my website, macashton.com. So if you go there, go to the podcast tab, you can find all of the stuff we're talking about. Enjoy the episode. So hello and welcome to our first episode of season three of Cryptids Decrypted, where we're taking a detour from our usual cryptid programming to talk about another phenomena on the edge of existence. Uh, today we're getting into the paranormal with Donna Oliver, the founder of Philly Ghost Hunt, a small paranormal group serving Philadelphia and the surrounding areas. Donna's goal is to capture the most compelling evidence possible and then hand it back to a community of believers and learners for discussion and further exploration. Hi Donna, how are you doing today? I am doing well, and it's great to talk to you, Ashton. Yeah, no, I'm so excited to have you on because I've been fascinated by the paranormal since I was uh, a kid. So this is uh, this is all really interesting stuff. Reading through your website, I, I, I'm really excited to get into it. I wanted to start by asking you where your initial interest in, in ghosts and the paranormal came from. Oh, gosh, it's been ever since I can remember, I guess. Um, I, uh, at a very young age... Uh, probably as a toddler, two or three years old, had a, had a visit <laughs> from um, the lady. That is what she became known as in my house. Um, and uh, my parents, I, I told them that I saw this lady. She came into my room and sat by my bed. Um, they believed it. And, uh, you know, they, they didn't doubt it at all. Um, I won't say that they encouraged it, but they uh, certainly listened to what I had to say. And um, I guess years later, uh, Ouija board, um, just general interest, uh, having an unusual ability using the Ouija board also. And, um, you know, it, it just, I, I, I went through a period as a, as a young adult where I was not very interested in it and focused on other things, but my attentions always went back to it. So it's, it's kind of been a, a lifelong evolution, if you will. <laughs> that's you know, that's fascinating. I, I think that a lot of it's, we you know when we talk to people in the cryptozoology community too, a lot of it stems back to experiences in childhood. That's when the, the interest arose. So, you know, it's interesting to hear you say the same thing. And I, so I'm curious, you talk about the, the lady, was that, now, is that like a physical manifestation? Like, what did that look like? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I uh, saw her come into my room, um, my bedroom, and she came and sat by my bedside. 
and just sat with me. I was not a very good sleeper at all. And um, I started to talk to her, you know, and uh, I heard her answer, you know, and she said, oh, I'll stay till you fall asleep. And she came several times. I mean, it wasn't just a one-time thing. And, you know, she would ask me how I was. I would, in my own way, talk about, you know, whatever was going on and my new toy, whatever. Uh, and my parents were simply amazed. And they were saying, do, do we know her? Can you, do, can you describe her? No, she's just a lady. I never saw her before was kind of the answer. And, you know, at first they were alarmed. They thought somebody's coming in a room at night. What did, who? you know, what did we miss? They, um, then they realized that, no, this is not a person that she's talking about, or what is she talking about? Mm. And, um, in the morning when I would describe what occurred, they, they, uh, began to think it was very real and, and not a dream and not my imagination as a lot of parents would would probably have put it off as. And it's interesting. I'm guessing that was before, uh, you know, such easily accessible personal cameras or something like that for setting them up at night. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, was in the the 1970s. Um, yeah. And I, I was so young telling them about this. Like I hadn't to their knowledge or, you know, been exposed to ghosts or I hadn't seen that anywhere or that isn't anything that I, I, would have known about that's very you know it's it's interesting so when you so when you say you saw the 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 lady what what did she look like was it uh similar to just seeing like another human like you know you and me talking or was it transparency i was so young i mean i can recall her image and it was sort of like a gossamer image mm. um an outline of a lady i mean it was clearly a lady i think she was an older lady but to say that I actually saw features, I did not. Interesting. And then, you know, later on in life, did you look up, were there, was there anything about your house or anyone who had lived there beforehand that you think it might have been? No. Ah, no. that's kind of an interesting segue into my next question of what, what do you believe a ghost is? And, you know, do you think it's just some people that stick around or does everyone leave a mark in some way? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, gosh, I don't know. Um, and I, I think this is the mystery of it. And I think this is, you know, what we can study and learn about. Um, what ghosts are, I, just from what I have seen, I believe that they are people who have transitioned. They have passed on, they have died. Um, when I ask, I've never had anyone say, I have to be here. When I ask, could you leave? They all say yes. They choose to be here. I've never had that not said. Mm. When I've asked a question and, and gotten a response. So you don't think it's like that trapped uh, with unfinished business kind of trope that we see in a lot of... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have never really had anyone say that. Now, I haven't asked every... I've, I've done this for years, probably had contact with hundreds of spirits um certainly haven't asked all but when i have answered the question and received an answer i've never heard that i mean i I can't say it doesn't happen do i think some are i i do think probably some are they for whatever their reason is they they may not wish to talk about it but um 
generally speaking, uh, I think that the, the spirits can move on. They just elect to stay here. The reasons, um, pretty much they want to. Uh, occasionally, I have gotten an answer of they uh, feel they need to protect an area. They need to stay with an area. They feel, they feel very um, closely aligned with that area. Yeah, that's interesting. You, you talk about on your, on your website um, kind of like three types of areas, right, where, where we talk about seeing ghosts. And I, I, may, I may be misinterpreting this a little bit, but you talk about, you know, locations of historical significance, uh, specifically locations on ley lines, and then locations with some sort of history to them. Am I, am I getting that right? Yes. Yeah, I, I definitely um, think uh, certain locations um, are, are a big reason. For example, battlefields. Yeah. Um, I, a, an investigation that we um, will talk about in a little bit, the Mummers Museum in Philadelphia. If you're uh, not familiar with Philadelphia, the, the Mummers organization is, is very popular. On New Year's Day, they do a big parade uh, that goes through the city. And uh, that is something that, you know, all, people just kind of get together. They form their own clubs, and they put a lot of their effort into it. Uh, their museum is very haunted. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of uh, spirit activity. And I, I think they, they are there because they really had a passion for it. So yeah. I think... Um, a place that, that people feel very closely connected to, and, and it could be in a very good way, yeah. you know, for example, that. And that fits with what you're saying about not wanting to leave, right? If you're so passionate about a place that uh, you, you wouldn't want to leave even in death, it, it, you know, it, it, it tracks in that sense. Yeah. Um, so I think like everybody kind of sees this as a negative um, and it, and it isn't, I, I'm not convinced. I, I think that, it is equally as likely to be a positive. Yeah. No, and I think that, uh, you know, we do, as a, as a culture, specifically in, in America, we do have a pretty negative view of death. Um, and it's, it's always this big, dark, foreboding thing. But if you go around the world, it's definitely not always that way. Like, I think that one of my favorite examples is, uh, I believe it's called Obon in uh, Japanese culture, where the relatives come back and visit once a year and you put out your shrine to them. Um, and it's, and it's this wonderful festival of getting to be with your family again and, you know, remembering, but it's not a scary thing. Right. Yes. Um, you know, and, and I think our, our view of it, um, in the United States, certainly in more Westernized cultures is a little bit intertwined with horror and the genre of horror and fear. And certainly mystery. And, you know, I mean, I think all of that is, is relevant, but I also think that it is equally as likely uh, to be a positive thing. And yeah. um, I have spoken to countless number of spirits who tell me that they go visit their family and they look in and see what they're doing. Um, and sometimes they want to, you know, bop one of the teenagers in the head or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they, they definitely, uh, I have no reason to to doubt that family members do come back and visit and stay with their families, you know, from time to time and just look in on them. 
Absolutely. So, I mean, I, I, and so people always say, are you scared? Mm, no, not really. I mean, it, granted, it's taken me years to not be scared. <laughs> Initially, I was very scared. Um, and it's really the unknown. You don't know what you're dealing with. But yeah. as you get your footing when you're doing it, you kind of, you get a feel for it. You <clears throat> learn to know what is kind of the normal course of events as opposed to what is not the normal course of events sort of thing. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And I think that, uh, you know, it does, it, it, it's a lot to overcome specifically for our society. Cause I think that if you look at things like Poe, I'm sure Poe had a huge influence on how we see ghosts and spirits because those stories have just circulated everywhere and they, they are so dark and terrifying. Yeah. yeah, and 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 there is there that does exist. I would be the first to say that does exist. Um, it, it just isn't it isn't the whole picture. I wanted to come back to uh, ley lines because I I know that uh, you know our 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 listeners are probably primarily familiar with cryptozoology. They may not know as much about the paranormal. Can you can you explain a bit more about what ley lines are? Oh yeah, they are um, underground. They're sort of like fault lines, kind of. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, they, I, they run through, they're, they're global. They run throughout the, the you know, the whole earth. And uh, you can actually find maps that will show you ley lines, for example. And it is thought that um, in conjunction with the location of, the ley line, um, there can be uh, a lot of unexplained activity, uh, particularly of, uh, you know, a, a paranormal anomalous type of occurrence. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, when you look at the ley lines uh, that are at Stonehenge and, and, and when you, you look at places that, um, are, are typically surrounded in a lot of mystery and uh, have, have a lot of um, reports of occurrences and high spirit activity, you find that they are somewhere along one of these ley lines. Um, so if, if we take Stonehenge, for example, uh, if you follow that ley line throughout the United, uh, throughout um, the UK and you cross uh, the, the Atlantic Ocean and you see where it enters. And I have said Philadelphia, I think, is one of the most haunted cities in the United States. That, that main ley line comes right in to Philadelphia. And it goes right through the center city area. And you can track it. Mm. And uh, so, you know, I, I think it has significance. I, I really do. I, I, I kind of... Not certainly in, in a primary sense, but in a secondary or tertiary sense, do stand back at an investigation and look at the big picture and, and, and look at all the, um, you know, geographical considerations, um, the occult symbols that, that may be in the area. You know, I, I just keep that as, as, um, an angle, sort of a measure. I, I look to see if there's any connection because I, I find it very interesting. Yeah, you know, I've looked into ley lines a little bit and they are interesting. And especially like, you know, as a fiction writer who really enjoys writing about the paranormal, ley lines provide you 
a really interesting guide of places of high spiritual power that are that are interesting and just have a pretty storied history to them. So it's it's really neat to look into either way, like even if you're a non a non believer, just to like look at where these things cross and be like, you know, there are some pretty uh, incredible coincidences uh, along these ley lines. Um, but you know, so I want to get back to the Mummers Museum in a second, but I think before we do that, I wanted to talk about the the three main types of recording evidence you have, which are uh, voice recordings or EVPs, which I believe stands for electronic voice uh, phenomenon. Is that right? And then you have GoPros uh, for recording video evidence, stills and stills and video, and then dowsing rods. And I wanted to talk about the use of each of these items. So if, if you could explain a bit about how they play a role in your investigations. Uh, yeah, I... I use dowsing rods all the time uh, at every investigation. Um, that is, that's my, my primary uh, tool for communication. Um, uh, you know, I, I be, we began by establishing um, a way to say yes, a way to say no. Um, and, and very often, you know, uh, a spirit and energy being will lead me to something using the dowsing rod that they want me to see. Um, I, you know, during the interview, ask a series of questions and look for the responses on the dowsing rod. Um, so it is, it is a, a, a form of evidence. Um, and I, and can uh, definitely indicate intelligent communication. And I mean, I think that's what, you look for there. There are there are really two types of information, I, or gosh, I guess I should say captures that I will get. And and the first that I look for is is intelligent responses, mm. um, or are intelligent responses. So my goal is to say, okay, not simply the response on the dowsing rod, but um, if they've led me somewhere, is that a place of significance? Is that important? Does it have meaning? And when I do investigations, I will, I, I like to do them in, in historic places, businesses, places that have some lure attached to them. And so I ask that a person be present who works at that place or owns the place or knows the place, uh, has a handle on the history. And so, for example, that person can ask questions as well. They're going to ask, um, more, you know, more poignant questions probably than I would, um, knowing their their venue. And often, uh, the spirits enjoy conversing with them in some way because they know them. Um, so that I find that that leads to the best type of of. Um, product or, or capture or evidence. And, you know, so if the dowsing rods take me to a place and point to a picture or move me to a spot, um, and it has a lot of significance and it has bearing on the conversation that we're having now, people are simply blown away by it because they know I have never been there before. Like out of the, the 20 pictures that line that huge wall, I could never have gone to that particular image, you know, at that point in the conversation and said, look here, yeah. you know, if, if this is making sense and you can visualize it. 
Um, so generally, anyone who was present at that point, if they had any doubt, they instantly are believers at that point. That's, that's the first type of evidence. And then what I, I try to do is I, evidence jumps up in terms of its, um, we'll call it veracity. Uh, when I can layer various types of captures, for example, um, while I'm conducting the um, dowsing rod interview, can I capture an EVP that will uh, confirm what has been said um, or expand on the details? When I get that in tandem with the, the dowsing rod response, I, you know, that's just top. That's just high on the list. Um, I also use a spirit box. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's very much like an EVP, except that EVPs are captured on digital voice recorders. So unless I monitor into the recording at the time, which I don't do, I find it too distracting, uh, I don't know what's been recorded until the investigation is complete and I go back and review the recording. Yeah, that does make sense. And I think that you have... Uh, so one of the EVPs you sent, I believe is an example of that because in, in the EVP, um, I believe it's from St. Alice. Yeah. The, the St. Alice, I am or again, uh, EVP. It sounds like you're asking questions and at first there's nothing in the static, but you're getting responses. I'm assuming from the dowsing rods. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, um, that, so this is, this is a great example of, uh, the three types of layering that can occur. Um, St. Alice is a Roman Catholic church, uh, and it, it is, it is no longer open as a, as a parish. It, it was closed by the, uh, Archdiocese of Philadelphia. Uh, but you know, it, it still remains there and part of the land has been used, uh, for other purposes. Um, and just to give you a little bit of history, uh, you, you know, there have been reportings, there were reportings of hauntings at that school for eons, <laughs> like since it opened. Um, and they uh, had used the school actually as a, as a chapel and, and um, a funeral home at one point before oh, it became geez. a school. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, so. <laughs> I mean, it's like, that's like building on a burial ground right there. That's. Yeah. Classic mistake. <laughs> and and it's there it's kind of like a whole little gated sort of plot of land where there's a, a convent, a rectory, a church, a school, uh, they have a couple of parking lots. And then they, they ultimately sold a, a portion of the land and and they're building they built um senior citizen center. And so the images that I gave you uh, where I'm standing faces the, the senior citizen center uh, on on the left, and in front of me was the school. I'm sorry, on the right was the senior citizen center. In front of me was the school, and on the left was the convent. Um, and then behind me was the church. So I was kind of like right in the center of it. Boom. Yeah. Now, if you go back further in the history, that uh, area is very historic. It was owned by very no notable people. Um, notable families in that, that, you know, came to, to, uh, I, I guess what was Philadelphia in probably the 1700s. Um, 
they uh, were active politically. It was kind of a spot where everybody traveled to. All the signers of the Declaration of Independence had been there at one point. Um, it was kind of like a, a hot spot, if you will, in the 17 and 1800s. Um, it was also uh, a main stop for the Underground Railroad right there. Hmm. So the, the Archdiocese owned the prop, uh, property for 100 years. But prior to that, it, it had incredible history to it. No, that's a, I mean, that's, that's what you are talking about earlier with historical significance, definitely, you know, with all those places passing through it. Like that's uh that's pretty huge. So I wanted to play that clip real quick. Uh, bef- before we move on, just play that clip of the uh, the Alice I Amer again, so that everybody can hear. So you're gonna hear uh, Donna asking some questions with the dowsing rods, and at first there's a lot of static, but if you listen through, uh, you can you can almost hear a voice. Yeah. Oh, I would just add that when you hear me talking. Uh, every question I ask, I'm getting a yes or no response to on the dowsing rod, and then I'm I'm that's prompting my next question, just so you, you know that you're aware of that. And then at the end, you hear the the spirit that I'm talking to actually answer me, which was again consistent with the answer on the dowsing rod. Female. Female. Yes. Female? Are you an adult? Are you a child? You're you're a child? Again? Yes, okay. Um, I understand there was a haunting here. Did you have any connection with that years ago, many years ago? Yes, you did. Okay. So what we just heard was this spirit answering your questions and and what exactly was she saying uh, i i was asking was she an adult was she a child was she associated with the hauntings uh and and she was saying she was yes she was so every question that i asked you know was prompted by the previous question on the dowsing rods and then i went and, and kind of repeated it and asked again you know so you are a child just to confirm it and she said yes on the dowsing rods, which would be to open them wide. And she also said either I am or again, meaning yes. And so hopefully, you know, that um, EVP would, would make a little bit more sense because you can't see the dowsing rod interview. But she confirmed that she was a child. <laughs> and I think when you hear the voice, it doesn't sound like an adult. No, it doesn't. It's very, it is, it is very high. Uh, it does sound like a child. Uh, so I'm curious about the doubt. So when, when you get a response on the dowsing rods, what, what is that like? Is it, so do, are they physically pulled? Like, do you feel like somebody's pulling on them or? Uh, yes. Yes. At times, if, if that energy is very strong, yes, I will feel a, a pull. Mm-hmm. In fact, when that being, in some cases, is finished with the conversation, there'll actually be a little recoil on, on the dowsing rods when they let go. Hmm. Interesting. Now, we have a few more EVPs from St. Alice. We have, uh, the next one I believe is titled, uh, He Died.
So what what were we hearing in in that EVP? Uh, I was asking uh, about the area, about what was going on, and uh, the being, the spirit that I was talking to, had a great deal to say about it, and said he died, and then went on to say something else that I, I couldn't make out. But apparently uh, she was responding to someone there, talking about something, someone there. Right, and then the next clip says, he's there. Yeah, and that is very significant. Because in the area where I was standing, and you will see uh, with the pictures, she was pointing to the whole area, the bush, the tree, and she was saying, he's there. Interesting. And is that where you saw the face in the picture? And and the uh, the orb. I, I I could not see it, but when I went back and looked at the pictures, that's what was in them. Interesting. That's the direction the dowsing, dowsing rods were going, so I have to presume she was talking about him. Another spirit. Yeah. Now I wanted to ask a little bit about the the orbs. Uh, so I've heard of, I've heard of orbs being evidence before as part of photography. Um, what, what do you say to, to skeptics about the orbs that the, you know, that it's just a trick of the light or a lens flare? Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, in some cases, I think that that's probably true. In other cases, it absolutely isn't. Um, in, in the picture of the orb from St. Alice's, I, I'm pretty convinced that's an orb. I mean, that is huge. And I have successive shots of it forming and occurring and getting stronger and then dissipating yeah Yeah. i'm looking through them now from different angles too yeah and a few people have asked was that the moon um it is not the moon actually i have the church is behind me and the moon was round about where over the church and i have pictures of the church and so it documents where the moon was in the sky it absolutely was not the moon it was not some reflection of that. Um, so, I mean, I, it's one of those things you, you either choose to believe it or, or you don't, but I think that that is, it would be a real picture of an orb. Um, the same as that image in, in the bush, that, that very scary face. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's a real image. I mean, I, I do think that's a real, uh, projection of something uh and again you could say that that's not evidence but in lieu of the history there in lieu of the dowsing rod responses and then in lieu of the evps i have to say that is very compelling right because that's three pieces of evidence at the same time yeah so i mean look a, a skeptic is, is going to doubt. I mean, they're, they're going to doubt everything. It, and, and it really is experiential, and it's sometimes based on the person's not only willingness to believe, but perhaps ability to believe in, in terms of their life experience and their, their own cognition, where, where they are in terms of their own personal development. I mean, having said that, and, you know, that could be its own conversation. Um, I... I, I just highlight this investigation and this particular piece of it as just 
really evidence that is second to none, simply because of the layering. And it's like, you know, that, that was a hot spot. That was a hot spot, and I hit on something, and I was getting captures in every way that, you know, I could possibly get them at that time. Yeah. And for our listeners who want to take a look at these photos, uh, I will be posting uh, all, all of the images as well as the EVPs if you want to listen to them again uh, on, on my website, MacAshton.com, and you can navigate to the podcast tab, and they'll be right there. Um, I'm also going to be cutting this together as a video uh, so that you can all, you know, look at it as we talk about it. But before we move on to the next one, I wanted to ask about the face. Uh, so what, you know, I guess like what, what motivation or like why, why would something project a face uh, like that, you know, kind of in, in a bush? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, just to go back to the orb, uh, the, the orb's picture was kind of like a deep yellow and then turned orange. Right. Um. Colors are supposed to suggest meaning. Sort of like an aura. Yeah. Uh, the the face, again, um, it is a projection, and I think that it looks pretty bad. It looks pretty mean. Um, why there? Can't say. Can't say. Uh, I get the feeling, I had the feeling from talking to that spirit who was... was actively answering and leaving EVPs that things were not okay there. Mm. That, that was my sense. <clears throat> and that's not normally, that's not the typical feel that I get. Um, typically the feel that I get is things are okay. And maybe they're okay with some beings, but they're not okay with all of them there. But I was getting the feeling that things were not okay there. Um, is there any history to suggest what that might be, why it might not be okay? In that location? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it, it, it looks kind of ominous. It looks scary. It does look like your typical demon or horror creature or, you know, monster or something. I, I don't know. I mean, I would imagine it having been an underground railroad would have suggested a lot of pain, a lot of anguish uh, from, from the people who, who used it. Does it relate to that? Does it relate to something else? I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, does it relate to the church? I yeah, it could be a myriad of things with everything that's happened in that location. Yeah, yeah. So moving on to, uh, you know, a story that you told me when we first talked that I think listeners would be very interested in hearing. Can you tell, so let's go back to the Mummers Museum. And uh, you sent some pictures, obviously, of the of the mannequins there, yeah. uh, which uh, I think you you have an interesting story with those mannequins. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, the, the uh, Mummers Museum uh, was just incredibly active. Uh, it was just a very active location. Um, and I have some videos uh, online, and um, they were taken a look at. Uh, I have another one that will be coming out soon because I, I made another visit there. Um, but uh, the, the videos really just show the, the evidence that I witnessed. This is an interesting story, and um, it, it, when you see the image, you will see uh, mannequins, and one of the mannequins has his head turned. So this image, this photo was taken in a room called the Broad Street Room, and uh, it displays uh, costumes of um, winning um, 
string bands, fancy divisions, uh, just mummers. Just uh, every year when they do the parade, that they're judged and and they have winners. And so a lot of the the winning costumes are presented, and they change every year. Uh, so I was in the Broad Street room. I was taking pictures. I had the the digital voice recorder on. Oh, and I I should say that uh, th this was my first. Um, time there investigating and uh, I was alone in the building um, it was at night and I was kind of there uh, sort of locked in and then I, I left and had to let them know that I was leaving call them so I was alone in the building I'm in the Broad Street room walking around I had the dowsing rods I was doing a little bit of that and then just taking photos and I kind of got to, to the row, that last row, where you could see the mannequins that are in the picture. And I said, oh, I, I need a break. You know, let me, I'm going to go downstairs. I'm going to get a drink. I needed to, to use the ladies' room. I said, let me just take a few minutes to chill, and then I'm going to come back. And that just goes to show, don't leave. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I came back, I couldn't have been more than 10 minutes later the mannequin at the end, his head was turned the opposite direction. Hmm. And that's what we see in the picture, right? Is the, the mannequin with his head turned. Yeah. And unfortunately, I'd stopped taking pictures right before there, so I never did get the picture of his head facing the right way. Gosh. Yeah. But when I returned, his head was facing the wrong way. And I said, oh my gosh. You know, now I, I can't tell you that that happened because I, I didn't see it occur. Right. Um, nonetheless, it happened. Now, you know, you could go through the whole somebody came in and did it, you know. Um, I, I went and looked at it. It, it. I didn't seem like there was anything mechanical there. I mean, the, the mannequins are very old when I asked. They, they're reused all the time. It's not mechanical. But I, I did kind of examine it and look, and didn't appear to be. And so the, the obvious question is, you know, could someone have come in and done it? Uh, thinking that they're, you know, helping the investigation along or as a joke or, you, you don't know. You don't know, but, you know, could it have happened? Well, the doors were locked. I was the only one in the building. That doesn't mean to say that people couldn't have had keys. They couldn't have come in doesn't mean to say that at all. I keep tape recorders, I keep digital voice recorders throughout a location when I set it up, when I come in. Um, so I had three voice recorders all throughout the building. And, you know, no one ha would have known that they were there because they're, they're not very um, conspicuous. I mean, they're kind of like I hide them in little displays. I just put them in places where I know that they're, they'll be safe. They won't be... Um, if they won't fall, you know. Yeah. Uh, so immediately, I noted the time on this, and when I got home, I was playing all those those recordings to see, like, matching up the times. Am I hearing anything? Am I hearing anyone coming in the building? Am I hearing anyone walk around? I had no reason to believe, based on what I could hear, that anyone came in. Well, did you pick anything up on the EVP? Oh, my gosh. I I actually did. I, I asked, did, did someone do this? And did this, this really happen? And did someone turn the heads? And I got an, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I got a response on the dowsing rod. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> wow. 
Um, at any rate, I, I called the Mummers Museum in the morning to talk to the office staff. And I was going to tell them that, you know, the mannequin, one of the mannequin's heads had turned. And they said, when we came in, the first three had their head turned. So you got a couple of pranksters on your hands, uh, prankster ghosts. Yeah, so I told them, well, that the one turned when I was there. I didn't see it. But apparently throughout the night, two more turned. Now, just to take that, that story to the next level, um, that there, when you look at it, you'll see they have barriers uh, in front of all the uh, mannequins. And, and the room is, is actually meant to um, replicate what it would be like to be at the parade on New Year's Day. That's, that's kind of what it is. So we were filming and, and we're in there. Uh, this was my, my second or third visit. And we're standing there and the barriers, the police barriers started to shake. They actually started to jump up and down. <laughs> no way. Yeah. And, and the, the plastic, um, they have plastic displays on them. We're jumping up and down and we heard something moving. We looked and I'm just shocked because the whole thing is just jumping. It's vibrating the whole barrier. And Mike, who was filming, I'm like, you know, go, <laughs> go get that. Yeah. And from the angle, he got some of the, the, the jump, but not, it, it didn't, it was something that you really had to see, but he was able to capture a little bit of it. Yeah. And um, in fact, the, the woman who, who works there, who was such, so wonderful, um, she went to touch it, to feel it. I said, oh no, don't touch it, don't touch it, let it go. I, we just stood there in amazement. And I said, has anything like this ever happened? They said, no, and she's been there like 20, 30 years, like, no, you know. Um, it never occurred again. There didn't seem to be a problem with the plumbing under the floor. They didn't know of any pipes running under there. Uh, so it was very odd. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. I said, well, gee, you know, if I, I get a confirmation that somebody did this and I see the barrier shaking um, yeah. and I, I hear the EVPs that I have here, uh, you know, may, maybe uh, that mannequin said turned, you know. Too bad I didn't see it. Yeah, of course, right? Um, so what what would you say to to, to skeptics? Like, you know, like so I, I think I, I admitted to you before that I, I am a skeptic of of just the paranormal in general. Like what what are your silver bullet pieces of evidence or like what would you suggest to skeptics if uh, if they should check anything out to uh, to change their mind? Yeah. Um well I, I think there's a difference between being skeptical and being kind of cynical. Yeah. Um, you, you, you need, I'm not going to say you don't need to be, you could be whatever you want, but my, uh, my suggestion is that you, be, and I don't, I'm not personalizing towards you, just generally speaking, you be open to things and you be willing to accept that, you know, there are mysteries in life that are not going to be explained. You know, yeah. they, so far we have it. Uh, my goal is to study it and look at it yeah. and see what we can determine about it um but certainly to to realize that you know uh science is is science and it's very much in the moment uh 10 years before what what they said was impossible we can do a hundred years ago what people didn't know we now know and you know the attitudes have always been the same and a little bit uh, pumped up with ego this is science and we know everything well i mean history can tell us that yes it's science but no you don't know everything no you don't Right. So 
realize that you know this this is the paranormal you, you, you it's very you can't recreate it it, it doesn't really measure in, in the same way as other well things that, that you could put in a laboratory and study you, you can't recreate it often um, it's it's very much in the moment and I would say be open to it you know and certainly look at the difference between um, I, I had touched on this a little bit the types of communication, you know, um, there's there's a big difference between an EVP where something's going blah 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 blah, and that's a lot of what you hear, um, and it, it could be anything, and someone clearly giving an answer, you know, but it's timed with dowsing rods. That is clearly some type of intelligent response. Yeah, um, that's that's second to none. And, you know, that happens. I, I get that over and over and over again. Yeah, and I imagine feeling it through the, you know, when you're the one feeling it through the dowsing rods, it's pretty hard to doubt. But I think that, you know, for, for a lot of skeptics, it's hard to see it from the outside unless you were to experience something yourself. I think that that's generally the barrier. Um, well, I, I think that's the other piece of it. It is, it is very experiential. So, um, and... You know what? If you are completely closed, you're not going to have an experience. If you know, and I, I, I see even a lot of these people who call themselves investigators or ghost hunters. They're like, I, they, they don't. It's almost like they don't believe it. It's like, well, if you don't believe it, why are you spending your time doing it to prove to yourself that you don't believe? Like, I, I don't even want to touch on what the, how they intellectualize that. But. If you are truly not open to it, you mock it, and you, you, you just can't accept it on some level, well, then, you know, you aren't, you know, just forget it, move on. You're probably not going to experience it. But so in order to even get yourself in the mindset of it, you, you need to be open. You need to be at least accepting that this is a possibility. You know, it's, it's interesting. I do have, um, so I, I, I've never had a paranormal experience myself, but I do know people who have been hardcore skeptics and then have had an experience that has made them start to question, you know, whether or not these things could be real. And I know that for a lot of them, it does come after a loved one has died and, you know, they, they want to open themselves up to that experience because they miss they miss their family member and the and the idea of there being some way to communicate with them is intoxicating um it's you know and so i think that you know it's it's hard like you know again personally i i haven't seen anything that's convinced me but you know i know people that i i generally think are are reputable and and the, you know they tell me about these experiences and it's hard to it's hard to discount. So I think it is It is one of those things where it's just, it, it's strange and it's unknown and who knows if it will ever be, uh, you know, proved one way or the other. It's hard to falsify, uh, but. Well, you know. I, I do feel that, you know, so much of what I do proves it every time I go out. And yeah. Ashton, you have a personal invitation to come with me. I need you to. Either you're <laughs> going to come to Philadelphia or I'm going to come to Canada and you're going to see it. Um, and, and I think that you will be amazed. Uh, it, yeah. it truly is incredible. Um, the, the other thing I wanted to point to in terms of evidence is that not all of it is a kind of an intelligent communication. Sometimes you do. Uh, I've gone to places and just gotten a lot of residual yeah. EVPs. Um, 
things that have just kind of been said and I'm walking through and I'm picking it up. So that, that's another type of communication. And yeah. then what, what does it prove? Well, it might not be, you know, poignant or, or uh, substantive for the conversation in the moment, but it, it does maybe historically have some connection to what have, could have occurred there. So one last question before we go, because we're, you know, we're, we're running up against time. I wanted to ask, so, you know, obviously there's, there's so many movies and TV shows and, and what have you that deal with the supernatural. And I was curious if, if anything you've seen has really got it right. Uh, and, and like, you know, what's, what's the most egregious example of getting it wrong? Yeah, I have to think about that. Um, I really like, you know, Ed and Lorraine Warren. And a lot of our stuff gets very portrayed in, in, you know, a Hollywood way. But, you know, the, the basics of it is, is, is good. It's real. It's solid. Um, gosh. You know, stuff I don't. It, like the really crazy stuff that's just like for shrieks and shrills. Um, you know, and, and a lot of it is. And, and you have to realize, I mean, if you're looking to learn about the paranormal, you, you know, don't start with movies. <laughs> I think that's a, that's, that's a good lesson for everything. <laughs> if you're looking to learn, don't start with movies. Yeah. If I looked at TV shows, because there's a lot of ghost shows on there. Uh, shows I like, I, I, you know, I've always been a fan of Ghost uh, Ghost Adventures, mm. uh, Zach Beggins. I, you know, I, I think over time, you know, he's he's pretty solid. Um, there are so many shows on that it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, like the the the, the cutting to black right at the end of the episode with like, oh my god, what did I just hear? But yeah, I mean, and you have to realize again, it's a TV show, and you know. So, you know, what I'm doing is the real thing, you know. I mean, not that, like, what Ghost Adventures isn't doing is the real thing. It is. But, you know, again, it's a TV show. It, 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 people don't realize that when they do those TV shows, it takes them weeks to film it. You know, those, those film crews are there two weeks, three weeks, a month, you know. Um, it, it, it's, it's not like, you know, on the spot what I'm doing, you know, which is like, this is just paranormal investigation. And I think people expect it to be like a TV show. No, it's not. And, you know, I, I think like a lot of times you look at some of the TV shows, a, a lot of the stuff you see from, from ghost hunting groups. I mean, look, there's a lot of dross out there and you just need to, seems to, proliferate itself you need to sort through that um it's not about the shrieks it's not about the shrills when i put stuff on on my videos i kind of respect people's time and i just show them what they need to see they don't I, I, and i'm not dramatic i don't go ah and scream i mean if i did i'd probably need to be doing something else um it's it's just the evidence here it is boom and and a lot of the stuff you see uh it, it's like this raw footage of people making mistake after mistake and just not expressing themselves well and showing you a bunch of uh, extraneous things that, that <laughs> waste your time. I mean, you, you really got to find some interesting people and hone in on their work. And, you know, most people who are real are, go are going to come on and do a podcast and, and tell you about it. 
they're going to talk to you about it online. They're going to do presentations and like I do, and they're going to be right there. And, you know, I do events. People can come. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's, that's the better way to do it. And, and the stuff that isn't good is like, you know, I, I, I really don't go for the phone apps at all. And, and they're, they're becoming increasingly popular. Um, I think that would be a really good example of, uh, equipment that, or technology that is not really cool. Phone apps are not, I mean, I've used them for just a measure. They don't measure up, I can tell you. Yeah. Um, that That's not good. And I also, I mean, I think the, uh, any program with a, with a pre-configured voice database is, is, you know, something to be taken with a grain of salt. Yeah. If that makes sense. Have you ever seen those? I have. Yeah, I've seen a few of them. Yeah. Like, you know, the detect, you know, ghost detectors for like, I mean, it, it, it's so easy with an app to, to make fake evidence. And, you know, it, it's funny, like every, everyone I talk to on this show talks about like all these things that make fake evidence that make it so much harder for people who are legitimately trying to like suss this out in the most scientific way they can. Um, and I think that these apps, of course, yeah, they do that. Um, you know, and I mean, I just, I think you just have to think about that. It's, it's an app and yeah. it has pre-configured database in it. Um, <laughs> you know, Hey, Hey, theoretic. I mean, it's just out there chance. Could a, a spirit of being figure out how to use it? I guess that's possible, but I'm, I'm not going to look at that in the same way as I do like a raw EVP. Yeah. We got to wait for some more millennials to die before we can get those, uh, those good app using ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And I also use the spirit box and I had touched on this just a little bit, which is like an EVP, but it's real time communication. Yeah. And so you can hear it in the moment and there's, it's, it's, it's just, um, it sort of scans, uh, radio waves that that's what it does. There's no, it's not an application. There's no pre-configured anything in it. And that is absolutely mind blowing, um, on an investigation. Uh, people hear it and go, oh, oh my God, you know, wait, wait, what did that just say? You know, yeah. um, they recently told someone where they worked when I, I had wow. someone with, on a ghost investigation and the person was like, did they just say, and you know, the name of their employer. And I'm like, yes, they did. That's wild. <laughs> and she said, I, I have to admit, I wasn't quite sure about this, but the moment I heard them say, where I worked for the last 20 years. I yeah. <laughs> now need to know a lot more about this, you know? Yeah. And that's what does it, you know, personal experiences. That's what brings people in. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And you know, look, I, I absolutely though, generally speaking, I think the TV shows are cool because whether they're good or whether they're not good, you know what? They bring attention to it and they get people talking about it. Um, People are, are, are trying this on their own and, you know, that's cool. I think that, that you should be questioning it. And, and I, I think it's, it's great to study it. Now I think that, that phase two of the whole thing, like kind of now that we have your attention, now we have to learn and we have to learn the right way and we have to learn to be discerning and we have to, you know, uh, understand a measure and, and we have to, formulate, you know, um, our, our own, as close as we can, scientific methodology, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. You know, because it's not, it's not built for this, so. 
finding finding something to approximate it, you know, and 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 building your own. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, so science is is not necessarily. I mean, the premise of it is not necessarily conducive to um, paranormal occurrences, anomalous occurrences uh, that could be considered paranormal. You you can't recreate them. You can't set up a scenario and insist that it occurs. I mean, it's just not how it works. But um, to say that it doesn't occur and to say that very rational people don't have very rational experiences that are unexplained would be incorrect because they do, you know. I think now now it's a matter of kind of honing in on, on really the good stuff. And, and you know, it... It, it's kind of a thing. Everybody's got a ghost hunting group, and they're all finding the best stuff. Well, you know, that that's sort of a social media online thing, you know. Um, but but I encourage people to try it. I absolutely do, and I encourage them not to spend a lot of money and 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 go out and buy all these expensive things. Because again, I'm not so sure that those you know databases really voice preconfigured voice databases work. Don't don't spend five hundred dollars on that or a thousand dollars on that. I'm not so sure about that. Uh, you know, dowsing rods are inexpensive and a great way to start. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Donna. This has been fascinating. Uh, where can people find you if they want to learn more? Ah, well, I am online. Um, and I would encourage everybody to to check out my online resources. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I am uh, Donna at Philly Ghost Hunt. You can find me on Instagram. I am Philly Ghost Hunt. Uh, definitely check out my YouTube channel. All you have to do is search Philly Ghost Hunt. Uh, you can look at my uh, webpage, which is phillyghosthunt.net. It has to be .net. That's, that's where you'll find me. Yep. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm online. I'm out and about in Philadelphia. I do events and certainly right now everything has has slowed down but um i'm yeah. sure it will pick back up in time and uh i have a lot of great videos coming out so i just encourage people to check my stuff out and say hello well i'll post links to all of that on the website uh along with the images that we talked about earlier and uh you know hey when the pandemic's over maybe i'll come out to philly and we can do uh we can, we can go ghost hunting together and see what we can find. That's all we have for today, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you're on a platform where you can rate us, please give us a rating. Because, you know, if you're here at this point, clearly you enjoyed the episode. I want to say thank you to Donna again for coming on. She was an amazing guest, very interesting, and you can check out all of her stuff uh, by looking for Donna's Philly Ghost Hunt on pretty much any social media platform. We'll have another episode coming in two weeks. It is about the Amityville Horror, and it's actually just me and Tyler recording, uh, kind of going back to the original pairing. Don't worry, John will be back, but you know, he's a busy guy. He's got lots of stuff to do. Anyway, so look out for that in two weeks, and I will see you then.